Hey everybody, this is Frank Spear. Welcome back to another edition of Thinking Out Loud. Today I want to talk about slavery, but perhaps in a different way than you've heard before, and perhaps not. But there's a notion, an idea going around out there today, especially in the, the, the new left, on the new left, that Americans basically invented racism. Right. They invented slavery and they invented racism. According to many on the new left, uh, capitalism, specifically the white capitalism of the United States, is solely responsible for the practice of slavery and all of the racism in the world. That's a ludicrous notion to be sure. Uh, for the historically ignorant it's as if racism never existed in the world before white Europeans came to this continent. For people who don't study history, it's easy to foist that notion upon them, that idea upon them, that lie upon them, and then just have them believe it because somebody said it. Capitalism, they say, that white American capitalism, that is, a system that it was a system devised to enrich an elite white class on the breaking backs of black and brown-skinned peoples. And that's the great obstacle that must be removed and replaced in America today, replaced by socialism, in order to attain a paradise for all. Now, was slavery a part of American capitalism during colonial times? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that it's all it was, and that doesn't mean that America was the only place in the world where that was happening. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Did you know that at the very time of the rise of African slavery in the United States, millions of non-Africans, that is white people included, were also being enslaved in order to enrich the lives of non-white peoples around the world, including over one million white European slaves in North Africa, even more white slaves in the Muslim Ottoman Empire, and many slaves were taken by the native Indians of this world when it was the New World, the United States, not to mention the enslavement of Africans by other Africans and Indians by other Indian tribes, and we can keep going back in time to the Romans, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Hebrews, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the Chaldeans. We can go as far back as anyone likes if necessary. The fact is that before the American Civil War, the horrendous abomination of slavery was practiced nearly everywhere on the planet from the very beginning of human history. And it was the abolition of slavery in the United States that inspired it around the world. The sad truth about this whole matter is that very often in the world, some people are taught incorrect and evil things by other people, and they believe them. And when you believe something that is fundamentally wrong, you generally grow up to practice that fundamentally wrong thing yourself. Until you or somebody else comes along and realizes that the thing itself is evil and has to stop. Think of the generations of people around the world, of every race, every creed and culture, who were born into a society where horrible things were the norm, 
even as far back as, let's say, uh, the Mayans or the Aztecs sacrificing human beings to their gods by casting them down into the temple fire, all the way up to the still modern practice uh, of radical Muslims beheading infidels, that is, people who don't agree with their religious practices, and all of the countless other human travesties that have ever taken place in between. The children grow up in in that context, whether it was 7,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, or last week. Children grow up in the context of wrong, and so it becomes normative for them also. And then they have children and pass it on. Has this ever been true in your experience in any way? In any way, can you think of something in your life that when you were younger you thought was okay, but as you matured you came to see as not okay? That's how change comes about, not only in individuals, but in societies and in nations. But sadly, reversing injustice always takes time. We've got to wait for people to realize it and then change it. And that's almost never easy. How easy do you think it was to convince the the Mayans or the Aztecs to stop chucking people into the fire and sacrificing to their gods to keep the gods appeased so that they wouldn't rain down thunder and lightning or, or lightning from heaven and burn up their land or whatever? How long you think it took until they stopped that? Hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of years. Especially when most of them never believed it was wrong, but they actually believed it was right. So, contrary to popular leftist beliefs, some leftist beliefs, the new left, I'll call them, Uh, Africans were not only singled out in America for slavery, but in fact, slavery of the most cruel kind was practiced by African Muslims in North Africa, who both practiced the cruelest form of slavery and castrated and imported slaves into the United States. Now that's a capitalist enterprise practiced by black and brown skinned people. So my point here is that capitalism in this cruel way as we're viewing it here was not only practiced by white people in the United States. Capitalism is making money. It's getting capital. It's buying and selling things in its basic form. That's the meaning, its basic definition. So you've got African people, African Muslims, and also non-Muslim Africans, right, selling African people into slavery and making money off it. And they're castrating them because they were worth 10 times the price if they were castrated. The Muslim slave trade didn't only include those with dark skin. In the 18th century, right, that's the 1700s, the Arab Muslims in the Middle East held the majority of white slaves in the entire world. The Muslims, who are brown-skinned, viewed both blacks to the north and whites to the south as inferior races. As a matter of fact, 
Islamic law to this very day permits slavery. It's still on the books for them. They view slavery as a right given to them by God. In fact, the last Muslim state to abolish the practice of slavery, on the books anyway, was Mauritania in 1980, not that long ago. So that practice was still going on in the Middle East until the 80s. As horrific and unjustifiable as the practice of slavery was and is, wherever it was or is practiced in the world, it can be historically demonstrated that the horrors of slavery were often far worse in other parts of the world than in America. Again, that doesn't justify it. I'm just pointing to historical facts. As one example, in Africa, slaves could be executed as an offering or sacrifice to their gods, often by literally ripping their heart out of their chests, dividing it up and eating it for supernatural strength. That couldn't happen in the United States. Again, without ever justifying the abominable practice of slavery, and in the interest of just stating historical facts that you may or may not know, in America, slaves were often allowed to raise their own crops or their own animals on a portion of the plantation and then sell them for profit. That's capitalism. In America, slaves were quite often allowed to form their own families and have a social life with the other slaves so that they wouldn't forget their African heritage. Now that's, I'm not trying to paint this as a rosy picture, it's a horror, but the point is that such things were more often than not absolutely forbidden among slaves in other nations, other countries around the world. So I bring this up I'm saying it again for the fifth time here, not to justify American slavery in any way. It was a total travesty of the highest order. But I bring these things up only to point out that those who claim that slavery was far worse in America than anywhere else in the world are lying. Anywhere else in the world or anywhere else in history, they're lying. That's the picture that those like Howard Zinn paint in their writings about America. They're deceiving you. They're intentionally leaving out a whole bunch of stuff, just to put it bluntly and crassly. They're leaving out a bunch of stuff they don't want you to know. Frederick Douglass, a 19th century uh, American slave who in his autobiography, uh, he offered a first-hand account of being a slave in the United States, eventually became a newspaper editor in this country and a famous writer in the very nation that once enslaved him. How could that happen? Because we got better. We got smarter. We recognized the evil and eventually gave it up. It should have never taken place in the first place. I grant you that. I totally agree. But it did. And not only in America, but around the world. It was common practice from the beginning of human history until basically the Civil War in the United States. Frederick Douglass appealed to the Declaration of Independence as well as the Bible 
upon which that declaration had its foundations. He appealed to that as proof of the utter contradiction between American freedom and the practice of slavery. And he was completely right. And many whites agreed with him and saw this themselves. So it was a contradiction that many white Americans in agreement with Douglas would eventually lay down their own lives to rectify, to fix. And as a side note, the Arab sultans of the Ottoman Empire had no interest whatsoever in a declaration of independence for their people. So as with all of us, getting it right takes time, no matter what we're doing. Injustices are most often cured gradually. The fact is that many of the founding fathers like Jefferson, Washington, Adams were in fact anti-slavery even though they owned slaves. Adams did not own slaves. He was a northerner while Jefferson and Washington were southerners. Their economy was based on the slave trade and they didn't know how to get out of it. They couldn't figure out how to get the job done. Right? How to bring an end to slavery without destroying the colonies themselves, without destroying the United States, that they had just died to get away from Britain, fought and died for to get away from Britain in order to form. It was Britain that was largely responsible for uh, uh, American slaveholding because they would tax the Americans on the amount of slaves they had and enrich themselves. So it's much, much more complicated than most of us know. So even though the Jeffersons and the Washingtons and the Adams and the John Jays and the Hamiltons and on and on saw the evils of slavery, they recognized that they couldn't figure out how to do it in their own time without destroying the colonies, destroying themselves or causing a, a vicious war between blacks and whites or whites and whites. John Jay and Alexander, Alexander Hamilton were actually part of something called the Manumission League, which eventually led to the abolition of slavery in New York. They were fighting for it. But today, many just point to those founding fathers as old racist white men who hated anybody with a different skin tone than them. Those are just not the facts of history. Did you know that slavery remains in the world even today? In Africa, right now, in Africa... Right now, as I speak, over 9 million people are living in forced slavery. Africa has the highest slave rate in the world today. Now, why is it we never hear about that on the news? Why is it no one's making movies in this country about that? Why isn't there a Netflix or HBO special or documentary about this? I can find you dozens and dozens of programs, internet news articles, on the horrors of American slavery in the past. But guess what? That ended 150 years ago. There is no more slavery here. But there is slavery going on in the world today, in Africa and many other places, and it's virtually unknown in this country. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the truth about those horrors doesn't fit the agenda of those who want to keep America's past horrors shoved in our faces 24-7. They don't really care about slavery, per se. They care about the past slavery in America and how they can use it to pit the races against one another today 
so that they can come along and say, hey, 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 elect us into office and we'll straighten all this out for you. We'll fix it all. Just keep us in power and in wealth. You see, that's the truth of the matter. Keep the races angry at each other. Bring up the past regularly. That way we can maintain our political power by promising to help one side and the other year after year, decade after decade. But I have a suggestion. What if we tune these people out? What if we just try really hard to get along with each other and stop listening to the voices screaming in our ears that just want our money? What if we just try to get along with with each other right here, right now, in the modern world, in the time that we're actually living in, before we're not living anymore, before we run out of time? Wouldn't it be great if we were no longer addicted to being offended by one another like the politicians want us to be, and we actually got on with our lives, got on with raising our families, working hard at our jobs, saving for our futures, enjoying the time we have on this planet with one another, I think that sounds a whole hell of a lot better than what the politicians want us to do. Let's face it, folks, all we have in this world is each other. And that could be a really good thing if we would just let it be. Imagine for a minute that you started a fast food chain. You're the CEO of the company and you get the devastating news that some of your managers have been regularly pilfering money from the cash registers and have done some serious financial damage to the company. What do you do? Do you A, fire those employees and install a security system to ensure this won't happen again in the future and then get on with the business of growing your company? Or B, Do you fire those employees and install a security system to ensure this will not happen again in the future and then sit around all day every day regretting the fact that your employees stole from you and regretting the damage they did to your company while your business goes down the tubes and you and all of your employees suffer together? How could they do that to me after all I did for them? What kind of people would do such a thing? How dare they think they can treat me this way and get away with it? I despise those people. Well, that might make the owner feel better emotionally to rant and rave over these past injustices, but the reality is that wallowing in that kind of muck will eventually destroy not only only the owner and the business, but potentially other people in that owner's personal life, people surrounding them. Like their spouse or their children, their friends. That's what holding a grudge does. It paralyzes us. There are people that have done me serious wrong in my life and I've had the choice to either harp on it, to think about it constantly, to seethe about it. While they went on with their lives, never giving me a second thought. And it crippled me and I had to let it go. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. I like to personify America. Look at it as if it was a person. And to look at her as a normal, like growing human being. And in her childhood, like all human beings, she was naive and frightened. 
and unsure of things, relying on her parents. And in this case, we could call Britain uh, America's parents. She's relying on her parents to guide her in all things, to correct her and discipline her and show her the way. And she listened to her parents. She had to. She was living in their home. But as she grew older and more and more independent, this girl broke away from her parents and began to make decisions on her own. And in so doing, she made lots of mistakes along the way, like we all do in life. But as maturity and experience set in, the years roll by, and decades roll by, she grows older, she begins to look back on some of her earlier failures, and she begins to fix them, to adjust. She begins to do better and say things like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I've learned from those mistakes. And now as she grows much older, she's learned a whole lot about life. And she's still imperfect and like all of us, still making constant adjustments in an effort to do better and better, to be healthier, to enjoy her life and her family and friends. But she knows she'll never be perfect. She's not going to get it right all the time in every way. This is the very attitude, which we could call one of hope and faith, expressed by one-time slave Frederick Douglass in his amazing 4th of July speech in 1852, when the end of slavery in this country was right around the corner. Here's what Douglass said. I'm just going to read an excerpt from his speech. Allow me to say in conclusion, notwithstanding the dark picture of slavery that I have this day presented of the state of this nation, I do not despair of this country. There are forces in operation in this country which must inevitably work to the downfall of slavery. See, he saw it coming. He didn't despair. He saw the country was getting better. It was growing up and realizing its wrongdoing. He says, the arm of the Lord is not shortened, quoting from the scriptures. And he says, and the doom of slavery is certain. I therefore leave off today where I began with hope. While drawing encouragement from the Declaration of Independence, that great principles it contains, and the genius of American institutions, my spirit is also cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. Wow, you see what he's saying? He's saying, The genius of the American principles contained in that Declaration of Independence and in that Constitution, they're getting it. We're getting better. The white man understands the evils of slavery. And while he says, I'm drawing encouragement from this, from the genius of the American institutions. And listen, my spirit is also cheered by the obvious tendencies of the age. In other words, he's saying we're going in the right direction. We're moving towards abolition. And my spirit is cheered. I'll leave you with that today. This has been a longer one than normal. I hope you've enjoyed it, learned something. This is Frank Spear. I'll talk to you guys next time.